Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh Bismillah walhamdulillah wa salatu wa salamu ala rasulillah wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa man wala Qala rabbi shahli sadri wa yasirli amri wa hlul uqdatan min lisani yafqahu qawli Allahumma zidna ilma Al-hadithu thalitha ashar An Abi Hamza Anas ibn Malik radiyallahu ta'ala anhu خادم رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم عن النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم قال لا يؤمن أحدكم حتى يحب لأخيه ما يحب لنفسه متفق عليه So this hadith is narrated by Abu Hamza Anas ibn Malik Radiyallahu anhu was the servant of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And <coughs> he served Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam for a number of years. He was young. And there's a narration of Anas where Anas says that Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he never ever asked me why did you do this or why didn't you do that? Meaning that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he taught us how to be with our servants, how to be with people that assists us. And also the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he made dua, special dua for Anas radiyallahu So the hadith that we are looking at the hadith reads as follows in English that none of you truly believes La yu'minu ahadukum that none of you truly believe until you love for your brother that which you love for yourself. So he must love for his brother, she must love for her sister, that what we love for ourselves. And this hadith is, or it starts off and he says, La yu'minu. He does not believe. So what this means is that your iman is not complete and it does not mean that you are not a Muslim. Understood? So it means that your iman, there is a bit of a defect in your iman. If you do not love for your brother, what you love for you, Self. And this is in matters of the dunya and in matters of the akhirah. So both of this. And what comes into play in this hadith is, as well is our interaction with fellow human beings. And what also comes into action when good explanation is that how we want someone to assist us, correct? How we like when someone treats us well, we need to treat others well. So you wouldn't like someone, for example, to mock at you, but you want to mock at someone else. You wouldn't like to eat dry bread, but you want to give someone else dry bread. See, this is what this hadith is teaching us. This is what this hadith is explaining. And in another hadith, on the authority of Abdullah ibn Amr ibn As, and it's a lengthy hadith, but the part that we would like to focus is, is where he says, the Prophet, peace be upon him, he said, فَمَنْ أَحَبَّ أَيُّ زَحْسَحَ عَنِ النَّارِ وَيُدَ خَلَ الْجَنَّةِ That whomsoever desires, whomsoever loves, whomsoever wants to be taken far away from Jahannam and entered into where? Into Jannah. So what must he do? فَالْتَأْتِهِ مَنِيَّتُهُ وَهُوَ يُؤْمِنُ بِاللَّهِ وَالْيَوْمِ الْآخِرِ 
that he should die in a state of believing in Allah Azza wa Jal and believing in what? Yawm al-Akhir, in the last day. وَالْيَأْتِ إِلَى النَّاسِ الَّذِي يُحِبُّ أَيْ يُؤْتَ إِلَيْهِ And he should do unto others as he would like others to do unto him. Meaning treat people well. You want to enter Jannah. You want to be far away from the fire of Jannah. Then what must you do? You must die on Iman. And you must die in believing in the last day. And what else must you do? Treat others well and then you will be treated well as well. Subhanallah. Beautiful advice from Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala he says وَيْلٌ لِلْمُطَفِّفِينَ Woe unto the one that gives less in measures. So they do not give people what they are supposed to be given. الَّذِينَ إِذَا اتَّالُوا عَلَى النَّاسِ يَسْتَوْفُونَ That الَّذِينَ That they are those When they measure Something Then what do they do? They When they measure Right? Or something must be measured for them Then they expect it to be more They expect a lot from it وَإِذَا كَالُوهُمْ أَوْ وَزَنُوهُمْ يُخْسِرُونَ But when they must measure, when they must do stuff for others, then what do they do? يُخْسِرُونَ خَسَرَ They make it less. So understand what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is speaking about. It's true in the parable of two people. That when you want things in life, what do you want? You want everything to come a lot to you. Someone must be good to you. No, they must be good in every aspect of being good. But when you need to represent this, when you need to be good to others, then what happens? Now you don't want to be good. So this is not the way of a believer. Correct? What is the way of the believer? The way of the believer is that he expects less from others. And he gives more to others. Because if you expect less from others, then nothing's going to make you sad. Sometimes, in life generally, we expect a lot from other people, right? Maybe that you a person that you generally or genuinely you like to give people. For example. And now, someone doesn't give you. Now you feel sad. Now you feel heartbroken. And maybe in your part, you have a right to feel that way. But also we expected that this people needs to be like the way we are to them. So don't do that. Right? You treat people well and inshallah people will treat you well. But never expect from the other people again. That's one thing that I used to have a teacher, subhanAllah in Medina. He would always tell us that. You be good man, he says. And good will come to you. But also if you do good, Never expect that person to do the same for you. And we see that different people are different. Right? You know, sometimes like the old people, right, especially in Kaitan, they will tell you, man, you know, you can, you can see, man, if the people is, if it's a warm home. <laughs> right? You know, the old people used to talk like that. They say, you know, that's means, man. And we're going to come to this a bit later. So generally, you see, People that's good, they will treat other people well. And this is what we should be. And then, the hadith also. Right? Ibn Rajab in Jami'ul Ulum wa Hikam. He also brings some points. And he says that this hadith of Anas radiyallahu an, it indicates that a believer is supposed to be good and treat his brothers, which is fellow believers, well. And he must want for his brother what he wants for himself. And this, all of this, will come and it will complete one's iman. And all of this, it will free 
one's heart, and this is a beautiful point, he says, it will free one's heart from hasad, from jealousy, and from ghil, like, you know, showing hatred and like, been showing or being unkind to people, having animosity in your heart. So he says that if you prefer or if you do one for others, like are you one for yourself, then Allah will free your heart from this. And Hasad subhanallah, what does the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, what does he say regarding Hasad? He says that indeed jealousy it eats away from your good deeds like how the fire eats away from the wood. Subhanallah. Do you think of this? And, right, let us just ponder for a moment on jealousy. That sometimes we don't even realize that we are being jealous. Huh? What did the Prophet Sallallahu he said? He said, the, right? He spoke about the Ain. He said, Al-Ainul Haq. And this is one thing, right, that you've traveled to the Middle East. You've witnessed this as well. That whether it's a culture thing or whatever, but especially in Saudi Arabia, right, Alhamdulillah, I had the opportunity to stay there for a number of years. And you'd notice that the general person or the general public they would always say, MashaAllah. They would always say, Tabarakallah. This is good to us. Someone has a new car, MashaAllah. New house. I mean, even to the extent that we would add friends, right, at the Islamic University. Maybe they come to you and you're sitting in class and you're reading a book that you bought from the shop or whatever. And they'll come to you, oh, you got a new book. Yeah, MashaAllah, you know, may Allah benefit. And this is something that we should inculcate. We find it here to a certain extent, but we also find the opposite a lot in our society. Where people are generally, they are hasad. And having spoken about hasad also, from our side as well. Right, so now we spoke about the person that is jealous. But now also from our side, we can prevent people from being jealous. How? There is no need to put everything on social media. You buy a new car, you buy a new house, you get a new job. No mut amal sin. Everyone needs to see, oh, mashallah, this one, he has a beautiful car. Or even leave, leave a car, leave a house. Maybe they made nice steak tonight or prawns, whatever. Now we must put the picture up of our food. For what? Or we have a baby or a child, two years old, three years old. Then what? Now we must put up the first step, his first talk. Can guarantee you someone is going to be jealous. Guaranteed. Someone's going to have a problem with you. Who come with no upset? You want to brag again? That in itself is hasad. Because if someone does good or someone does well and you have a pain to speak about it, then you are jealous. But to avoid that also, don't put the things up. Don't advertise it. Good happens in your life, it's between you. Yes, now you speak to a good friend, your good family members, that's fine. But what we're speaking about is that we don't need to advertise everything. So let us look at some of the benefits of this hadith that we can derive from. <coughs> Number one is that a Muslim, he loves his brother that which he loves for himself and he dislikes for his brother that which he will dislike also as well this is also important and one of the important things and the most important things is that we want to enter with Jannah correct and we want Jannah for our brothers as well and obviously when I'm speaking about brothers, it's brothers, sisters, and everyone included, right? And how many of our people, how many of our brothers, our sisters, they're involved in things that they're not supposed to be involved in? 
So if we truly love them, what should we do? We should be speaking to them. We should be giving da'wah. And this is our job. That from now until Qiyamah, we will have to call people to the Tawheed of Allah. Call people from worshipping other than Allah. From innovations, etc. And then point number two is that of the benefits also is that this hadith shows us that we have a defect in our iman if we do not love for our brothers what we love for ourselves. This hadith also shows us that the iman it increases and it decreases. And then the last point is that this, right, and then the other author he mentions that also what when we speak about Akhi, when we speak about brother, then it's for sisters, mothers for everyone as well under this hadith. Al-Hadith Rabi'a Ashr. عن ابن مسعود رضي الله تعالى عنه قال قال رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم لا يحل دم امر لا يحل دم مسلم الا باحدى ثلاث الثيب الزاني والنفس بالنفس والتارك لدينه المفارق للجماعه متفق عليه so this hadith is narrated by Abdullah ibn Mas'ud. He says that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam he said it is not permissible to spill the blood of a Muslim in, except in three instances. Meaning it is not permissible to kill a Muslim except in three situations or three incidents. Number one, a married person who commits Adultery. Cannot kill him. I mean, no, afan you, they will be killed. A married person that commits adultery. The second one, a life for a life. The third one, the one, yes, the murtad, and separates from the community. Let us look at this hadith. So the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he says that the first one we want to look at Athayibu Zani, a married person that committed zina. So what is a thayib? A thayib is someone that was married and or is married and they had intercourse in the halal way. So if someone had intercourse illegally, meaning they not married, they were not married. So there was no sahih nikah and they had intercourse, then they don't fall under this. This is specifically for who? The married one that commits zina and it was a nikah which was sahih or an authentic nikah with the witnesses, with the dowry, etc. All the conditions for a authentic or permissible nikah. And then what happens? Then they will, how will they be killed? Stoned. They will be stoned. This in Arabic is known as Rajam. And this we get from the Sunnah of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. As the Ayah of Rajam, the verse of Rajam, it was abrogated Tilawatuha. It was abrogated in the terms of its recitation but in terms of its hukum in terms of its ruling then it is still applied now obviously here in Cape Town right even if someone comes to you and they go for example to the MJC or wherever they go to and they say you know that I committed zina and I'm married and she's married and even if she have a child can we stone them? No. Why? Not the law. Not the law and there's no, there's no Islamic ruler, there's no judge. Correct? So it's not there. And then 
Also, what else is there? Also, you need how many witnesses? Three or four? Four. <laughs> right? You need four witnesses. Um, a question. Can we bring the video camera? I mean, right? So, there was now a camera in the room. Right? Maybe it was wherever it was. And can we use it as evidence? Right? So, they won't accept it as evidence. Because, I mean, you can tamper with cameras, etc. And Allah... Knows best. The second one it says one nafsu bin nafs. So this is what you call qisas. Al qatlun qisas. And this for example, yani as Allah says, Ya you ladina amanu or you believe, kutiba alaikumul qisas. That qisas is prescribed on you. Meaning that right Allah forbids you have a brother. Or someone has a brother and is killed. So in a Muslim country and the Muslim law, then you're allowed to get blood money for this. Or if you don't want the blood money, you can take his life. Right? As Allah says this in the Quran. The third one is, he says, At-tariku li-deenihi al-mufariku lil-jama'ah. And what is meant by this is a murtad. Someone that he left the deen of Islam. As the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam he said, Man baddala deenahu faqutuluhu. That whosoever changes his religion, faqutuluhu. Kill him. Again, yeah. We find that Muhammad, right? billah, he left Islam. And now the whole community are here in Lansdale. That Muhammad left. Now they had a meeting and they said, No, you know what? We're going to kill Muhammad because the Prophet said, Man baddala dina The Prophet said that so if it changes religion, you must kill him. So we're going to do that. Is that allowed or not, Uncle Walid? Why is it not allowed? There's no ruling of the land and there's no Imam. It needs to be taken to a court, it needs to be by a judge. And then after they can. Do what they need to do. Now, yeah, you might be wondering now. Okay, so this hadith mentions three. So, is there any other people that can be killed? And there are some people as well that, according to the Sharia. So, for example, Al-Qatlu fil Liwat. What is Liwat? Right? Gaze. Or intercourse of gaze. Right? So the Arabic word for gaze is a luti. <laughs> yes, from the people of Lut. From what's it? Sodom and Gomorrah. Right? So this they will also be killed. The Prophet وسلم, he says in the hadith that the fa'il and the maf'ul, the one that does the act and that it's been done upon, they must both be killed. Then also, a sahir, a magician. Then also, a human being that has intercourse with an animal, with an bahima, must be killed. And tariku salah. The author mentions the one that does not make salah. Here, this. Right, there's obviously there's scholarly differences. I'm sure you did this when you did Kitab Salah. But for example, in the Hanbali Madhab, right, they're very strict. Right? They're extremely strict. You must one Salah and that you. Right? And the other Madhab, they have. But, but let us say here, this is someone that he doesn't make Salah at all. Not even Jummah, not even Eid. He don't make any Salah. So in a Muslim country, they will try him. Put him on trial. We found guilty and that he doesn't make tawbah and that come a time and they will kill him. Tariq salah Then the person that drinks alcohol for the fourth time, meaning that he drinks, they catch him, they beat him, they catch him, catch him, they beat him again. After four times he will be killed. Wasariku fi marwatil khamisa. 
and someone that steals for the fifth time. So they steal, they steal, they steal over five times. Um, obviously there's more fit to it that for example they're doing it now a lot and they're getting caught so maybe their hand was chopped off and then the other hand was chopped off now what must they chop off now? <laughs> and Allah Alam we're still going to proper detail but it's obviously as you can see they say the fifth time so they were being punished once punished twice right? and also that stealing it depends right? this is something also important for example a poor man he steals a loaf of bread. Are they going to chop his hand off? No, they're not going to chop his hand off. Maybe the lady took some milk. She had a child. So they will look at every situation as well. Alright, so let's see some of the benefits of this hadith. Number one is that the blood of a Muslim is sacred. Right? This is very important. And this, subhanallah, is, again, this, this hadith also shows us something very important against the khawarij. That they will just kill Naliwali. Right? Whereas this hadith, it teaches you that the blood of a Muslim is sacred. You can't just go out and kill people. And this happened in our own community. Right? Years ago. Late 90s, 2000. What about Oh. Right? I mean, how many innocent people were killed? You Even if you are guilty, you can't take the law into your own hands. This is liar Jews. This is not permissible. It causes havoc. Right? Let's look at an example. Right? A simple example, Uncle. Right? We look at a simple example of sighting of the moon. In our society, right? Because there's no Muslim leader, and had they been a Muslim leader, etc., in a Muslim country, the Mufti or the Amir, and that they say the moon had been sighted, even if you disagree how the moon was sighted, you will follow that day and you will have Eid. Correct? But we in a Muslim minority, obviously this does not work. Yes, there's a certain group, maybe they claim and that. But the other groups say, oh, we don't want to follow them. We do our own thing. What does that cause? Chaos. Causes chaos. Now, what about murder still? Subhanallah. That is not the man, it's not the baram. <laughs> or the start of the puasa. Right? Yeah. But what about murder? You kill someone. Unjustly. How many years and years of hatred that's going to cause and the family and all that's worse? Subhanallah. So Allah says the killing of one person is like the killing of humanity, of mankind. And then, right, so we learn from this hadith the, um, the ruling on the one of the Zani al-Muhsan. The Zani that is was Thayyib Shuazay from the married one etc and we discussed this and the killing will be Rajman Bil Hijara with stones throwing with stones and then the killing of the murderer Amdan who did it on purpose and this is the what we call Kisas and you need to go to the books of Fiqh for the rulings on Kisas and then the Murtad Right? When they leave Islam, sawa'an, whether it is a male or a female. But if you know that's been out of the form of Islam for 40 years, they come and return, they come and return, they come back to Islam, what's that like up for it? Um, I need to check for you. Allah A'lam. I will need to check that for you. I'm not sure. To check. You can check it afterwards, inshallah. The next hadith, Al-Hadith 15. 
عن ابي هريره رضي الله عنه ان رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم قال من كان يؤمن بالله واليوم الاخر فليقل خير او ليصمت ومن كان يؤمن بالله واليوم الاخر فليكرم جاره ومن كان يؤمن بالله واليوم الاخر فليكرم ضيفه ابو هريره رضي الله عنه يريبوتد that the prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam said that whosoever believes in allah and the last day speak good or keep quiet and whosoever believes in allah and the last day honor your neighbors and whosoever believes in allah and the last day honor your guests right muttafaqun alayh So here the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam he combines the mentioning of believing in Allah with the mentioning of believing in the last day with three actions. So it's three great actions, right? Because otherwise he wouldn't have mentioned. And see this, this is also the beauty of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. He was known as what? He was known as Jawami'ul Kalim. He was known as Jawami'ul Kalim. He would say a lot in a few words. Right? These ahadith are not long, correct? But they are powerful. Right? They are powerful ahadith. So, so why, does, why does he combine these three things with Iman? Because Iman is the head of everything. It is the foundation of of everything and you need to have iman for everything else to fall in place if you don't have iman it's no use you were so good with people you gave so much in charity you fed so many people you had the best of akhlaq but you died on other than iman it's not going to benefit you in any way Yes, maybe what people will talk, ah, mashallah. And this is why some of these people, kufr was written for them. Allah gave them the best of this world. Correct? Right? Look at, who can we look at as an example? Uh, look at Mandela, for example. Mandela was a good man. Correct? I mean, he fought whatever he did in it, but he was generally, he was a good man. I mean, he loved the Palestinian cause, he loved many oppressed, he had a lot of Muslim friends, etc. And he was generally what we saw publicly, a good person. But, <laughs> exactly, he died upon what? How? Okay. Now a lot of people use us as an example of Mother Teresa. Right? I don't, but I don't use her as an example. Why won't I use her as an example? No, but besides Kafi, what is she called to? She made people. What was her mission? What was her job? A missionary. So why praise her? She called people to what? To shirk. To Christianity. She doesn't call people to Islam. Or... Even Mandela, right? You talk about their good. They didn't call people to their thing. They were just good people. She was good, yes, she fed the poor and that. But what was her mission in life? To revert people to Christianity. If she gave a poor person food, what did she tell him to do? Believe in Jesus. It's a problem. Right? So the first hadith, the first part of the hadith, it says... من كان يؤمن بالله واليوم الآخر فليقل خيرا أو ليصمت. سيد الرسول صلى الله عليه وسلم جن جامعة من جوامع الكلم. He's telling us to protect our tongues and speak only what is good. إمام النووي رحمه الله تعالى He mentions an explanation of this hadith that Imam al-Shafi'i, Muhammad ibn Idris al-Shafi'i, rahimallahu ta'ala, he said that the meaning of this hadith, that if you want to speak, fal yufakir. 
then you need to think right you need to think فَإِنْ ظَهَرَ أَنَّهُ لَا ضَرَرَ عَلَيْهِ تَكَلَّمْ And if it becomes apparent to you that what you are going to say is not going to harm someone, not going to be evil, then speak. But if it becomes apparent that what you are going to say, etc., is going to be harmful and there's doubt in it, then rather stay away, don't speak. Right? And this is important. That sometimes, right? Like especially when we were small, right? You know, when, when your parents would always say, don't you think before you talk? Right? You just talk. Because you're not children. They, they just talk. Right? So, like that, we as adults as well, we should think before we talk. Right? You don't need to speak about everything. Sometimes, Right? There's an Afrikaans saying. They say that, spite is te laat. Right? That regret afterwards, now you want to regret. No, it doesn't work like that. So we need to, and well, let's go to myself first. Sometimes we say things, and afterwards we think, but now why did I say that, man? Yeah, and now you want to send a long WhatsApp message, I'm sorry, I didn't mean it. You want to go take, send a bunch of flowers. And and even for us in our marriages as well. Right? For both the spouse and husband and the wife. Sometimes out of anger, whatever, we say things. And we'll come to this hadith about later. But we should try and always not be angry. Right? I mean, or if we're not angry, but we should try and always think before we speak. And then the next part of the hadith that I would like to look at is Man kana yu'minu billahi wal yawmil akhir fal yukrim jarahu That whosoever believes in Allah and the last day he should honor his jar, his neighbor first. So who is your neighbors? They say 40 houses. So Sheikh Uthaymin, rahimahullah ta'ala, right, under this hadith, he explains that your neighbor, how would you judge your neighbor? You will look at your custom. So what is our custom of our people? Because 40 houses by us is fee. Where is 40 houses from you, Uncle Walid? Right, right to wait. And from all the radius? So it's 40, that's like 40, that's Right? It's a lot. So we look at the custom. So those years in Medina, etc., they live very close to each other. So 40 wasn't like big. So maybe look at it like um, even take of um, the apartment of flats. Are you going to say, now nah, that's my neighbors at 40 there? It's a lot. So you need to look at your custom. Then what does honor in your neighbor be? Right? See that they got food. See that you're good to them. That Be nice. Right? Show people respect. Greet the neighbor, etc. You know, help where you can help, etc. And again, Sheikh Uthaymin says also that this also depends on the urf of your people, the custom of your people. Right? You don't need to be nasty with your neighbor. Some people are just, subhanallah. I remember we had, we had a neighbor. But this guy was just, he was, he was a terrible person, man. And like, he just was miserable. Like you greet him, like, subhanallah. Right? So that's just some people. So we should be good to our neighbors. Aisha radiallahu anna. She says that Jibreel would come so often and he would advise me about being good to my neighbor. Until one point I thought that the neighbor would inherit as well. So showing the importance of being good to your neighbors. Now here you get three types of 
neighbors as well, right? The first neighbor is a Muslim, Dhu Qurba. It's a Muslim, is your neighbor, and is a family member. So here's three rights that he has over you. He has the right of a neighbor over you. He has the right of someone being close to you, a family member. And he has the right of Islam. Then you have a neighbor, Muslimun. Laysa bidi kurba. Lahu haqqul Islam wal jiwar. So he has two rights over you. He's a Muslim and he's your neighbor. Then you have wajar. Laysa bi muslimin. Wala di kurba. Lahu haqqul jiwar faqat. Then you have a non-Muslim. He's your neighbor. But he's not your family. There's no Islam. So the only right that he has over you is that he is your neighbor. And the person that of your neighbors that will get the most rights that you need to fulfill is the one neighbor that is Muslim and is your family members. The last part of the hadith is وَمَنْ كَانَ يُؤْمِنُ بِاللَّهِ وَالْيَوْمِ الْآخِرِ فَلْيُكْرِمْ ضَيْفَهُ That whosoever believes in Allah in the last day, he should honor his guests. And the guests, he has rights over a Muslim. And this is a right that a Muslim have, has over the next. And this is of good akhlaq, good character. And how many days if a guest comes to you, how many days must you give him? Three days. Must give him three days. So we've lost that custom. Eh? Huh? That custom is lost. Yeah, it's lost. It used to be like the arm. Yeah. used to practice it till, I think, till our parents' session. When they went to Hajj? Yeah. Okay, and then? And then after that, because I know, what I remember is the Khujaj before used to get three days free in Medina and Makkah. Serious? Oh. Okay, I didn't know that. Okay. Right, so now what does it mean to honor your guest? Right, so like we said, now someone he comes in is a Muslim and that he says that I don't have a place to stay here. But also, again, in today's time, things are different also. Example now, somebody said, ah, come, you're going to let him in. Then he comes to sleep, you look again tomorrow, you have nothing in your house. Right? But having said that, we should honor them to the best of our ability. Second, we can even honor, there's different ways of honoring them. You can put them up, maybe in a, maybe there's a lodge in your area or somewhere. Put them up for three days. Give them food. I'm just, there is other ways to look at it as well. But now, Besides that, someone he comes to you for a meal. Right? You will honor them, you will give them the best that you can. But also there's a flip side to the people that come as guests. They must also know their limits. The people invite you for lunch, you well, stay for supper as well. Understand? Obviously now if you have an understanding with people that's different or whatever. Maybe your brothers or right? Depends. You must also look at how your relationship? But sometimes you find people, or they're invited for a certain time, or they come an hour before the time. But you're invited for that time only. So there's etiquette on both sides. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us the understanding. So some of the fawaid of this hadith, or lessons that we can take from it, is that the Prophet taught us to speak good, or keep quiet. Prophet taught us also, that we must honor our neighbors. And he, we should, or he warned us, or basically that we shouldn't harm our neighbors. And then thirdly is that, be good to your guests and treat them well. The next hadith reads as follows. الحديث السادس عشر The 16th hadith عن أبي هريرة رضي الله عنه 
أن رجلا قال للنبي صلى الله عليه وسلم أوصيني قال لا تغضب فردد مرارا قال لا تغضب رواه البخاري أيمان كيم محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم and he asked Muhammad صلى الله عليه وسلم that give me advice counsel me so what did the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم tell him لا تغضب do not get do not get angry and the man repeated this for several times and the Prophet for several times he said do not get angry. Right, and this will be our last hadith for the night. So let us tackle this hadith. So this hadith is found or narrated by Imam Al-Bukhari. So what does it mean La Tawtab? Ijtanib Azbab al That you must stay away from Things that will make you angry. Don't just be angry. Things that will make you angry also. Stay away from that. And do not get involved in things that you know is going to turn out. That will make you angry. And also, right, do not, right, everyone, like we said, that everyone becomes angry sometime or another, correct? Right, it's human nature, it's in our nature that we're going to become upset. But we should control that anger. This is important. And the Prophet gave us advice that if any one of you becomes angry and he is standing, then what must he do? He must sit. And if the anger is still not going away, then what must he do? He must recline or lie down. Right? So here the Prophet is giving us a remedy. In other hadith, speaks about making wudu as well. Right? It basically to um, extinguish that anger. And like I mentioned, and the author he mentions here as well, that it is natural for people to get angry, correct? Right? It's part of human nature. I don't think any human, no matter how soft he is, no matter how nice they are, there comes a point where they will get angry. Sorry? Yes, and it is important for us to know about our anger. It is important for us to control the anger. And like I mentioned earlier, especially in marriage, right? We tend to, right? It's normal. You're going to end up arguing, you're going to end up fighting, and that's part of the marriage. But know that the best one is. The one that he can control is anger. The strongest one is the Prophet is not the one that can fight. Not the wrestler. But the one that he can control is anger. The Prophet said that it is an argument to whatever and the one that he gives up his rights even if he knows he is right. He pulls for him a place in a house in Jannah. So sometimes there's also two types of anger, right? This anger that we're speaking about here is like, you know, these normal angers. But then you will get angry for what? Sorry? The blind anger. No, I'm looking at more for the anger for deen, right? For your Islam. So for example, like I was telling um, my wife yesterday, was speaking about, I don't know, hours came up and that, and basically, um, 
one of our um, teachers when we were at high school um, was a sheikh. And he was telling us, just remember the story, that he had an appointment with someone, someone had to come see him at home. And what, long story short, basically, the man came into the house and he wasn't there. So when he came home, he got upset. Like, I mean, he was, was wait outside. And yes, obviously, his wife now made a mistake by letting him in whatever the story was. and whatever. But the point is, he said that you should know you're not supposed to come in. And then he said, he got so upset, he chased the man away. He said, don't come back here. He didn't even, like, you know. So this may be anger, maybe went a bit, but this is Dean anger. It's good. Or you get upset as a father, as a mahram. The daughters, the wives, they're not dressing properly, inappropriate behavior. Or you an imam of a community. you a student of knowledge and you see things that is wrong. Things that occurs all the time, all the innovations, all the shirkiyat, etc. Makes you angry. So this type of anger is allowed. In the sense of that, it's not uncalled for anger. But again, one needs to control one's anger. And we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to grant us the understanding. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to forgive our shortcomings. And Alhamdulillah, some of these ahadith as we saw last week and this week, they're quite short ahadith. So we covered quite a few ahadith. Then again, in the book, they are but those that are lengthy. So it will take a bit longer. But just one thing to add, and as you can see, that Imam An-Nawawi rahimahullah ta'ala, how he compiled this book, subhanAllah. He like covered basically aspects of our daily life. Everything that you need to know, basically discovered, uh, covered in this 40 ahadith, jazawallahu. Khairan. Subhanakallahumma wa bihamdik. Ashadu an la ilaha illa. Astaghfiruka wa atubu ilayk. Amin, amin.